a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Unless you live in New York. Guys, it's Taylor. Welcome back to the New York Gun Guys podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the new lawsuit that challenges New York State's semi-auto rifle permitting system that was put in place to further restrict our constitutional rights. But first, be sure to check us out on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and be sure to download all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and wherever else you get your podcasts from. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Uh, glad you all are still here, still tuning in, still downloading, still sharing. Um, I took a little bit of time off, uh, took some travel time, family vacation time past month. I went a bunch of different places. I went to Washington, D.C., to Pennsylvania, to Florida. So um, I've been away for a little bit, but thanks for coming back. Thanks for still sticking with us, and thanks for still supporting the right to keep and bear arms in the state of New York. Despite what everyone in government wants us to do, which is roll over, give up our guns, and say, we support you, oh, great leaders. We want you to rule over us. <laughs> but, yeah, but seriously. Um, it's been a little bit crazy. Lots of new lawsuits coming out. It's a little hard to stay on top of, especially because I'm not one to really know a lot of legal jargon, so I have to really get down and read a lot of stuff and uh, watch videos and, and, and try and dissect a lot of it. But one lawsuit that I'm really glad is being challenged is the semi-auto rifle permit law. Now, this law affects many, pretty much every New York gun owner at this point. You know, people said, well, the pistol laws only affect the people that have pistols or have pistol permits. But the rest of us, we can still have rifles. Well, now they came after those, too. And it really bothers me because, you know... Back, you know, in the early 1900s, which I didn't know, I learned from uh, the video that Ian McCollum did about the the new brace issue uh, that's going on where they're treating brace pistols as SBRs. But originally, the NFA was also trying to include handguns. They wanted handguns to be registered with the government and banned because they deemed them to be too dangerous to the public. That's why there's short barrel rifle laws, because people are like, well, if I can't have a handgun, I'm just going to take this rifle and chop the barrel off. Well, they closed that. You know, they, they closed that off, so you had to register a rifle with a barrel length of less than 16 inches because it was too close to a handgun, which they ultimately originally wanted to limit. I didn't know that. I learned that from uh, Mr. McCollum over at Forgotten Weapons. So I encourage everyone to go check out that video that he did. Uh, it came out eh, maybe about a month ago or so when this whole brace ruling came down. So for the longest time, everyone was like, well, that's just handgun permits. Uh, you know, that doesn't affect me. I only collect rifles or I only do this. I now it affects everyone. And like myself, I don't have a pistol permit. So it affects me now. I can't walk into a store and go buy the most commonly owned firearm in America, a semi-automatic rifle, compliant, whatever, with New York, but still semi-automatic. Um, the crux of this whole lawsuit is the fact that specifically Suffolk County, the lawsuit claims that the plaintiffs um, cannot engage in a constitutionally protected activity because Suffolk County has no provision to make to issue a semi-automatic rifle license. Now, I don't know if that's changed since this came out a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, a week ago. Um, but the, the lawsuit alleges that the plaintiffs, some of them have pistol permits, some of them don't. Uh, so what, what happens is one of the plaintiffs goes to a store. They say, hey, I want to buy a 
you know, Ruger 1022, the shop says we can't sell it to you because you don't have this permit. Another guy goes in who has a pistol permit, says, hey, I want to buy this. They said, you can't do this because it doesn't have semi-auto rifle listed on the permit. But then Suffolk County says, oh, well, the pistol permit's good enough. But apparently the lawsuit alleges that there's no avenue for Suffolk County to issue a semi-auto rifle permit, which is a specific separate amendment, according to the lawsuit, that's supposed to be on there. So, again, you're denying people's constitutional rights because you don't want to do the right thing and make an amendment to an already unconstitutional license, so that way people can do that. Also, Suffolk County is making people register their um, their rifles on their pistol permit, like their pistols. Which, if and I'm not sure, I got into the law a little bit. The, I think it's a penal penal section 400, which deals with the um, the handgun licenses. In the in when they wrote the law, Senator Kevin Thomas, who is uh, actually my senator, unfortunately, <laughs> and I didn't vote for him. Don't worry, but I've called his office many times about this. I'm like, you can't just add four words into an existing law and then screw over everybody and their constitutional rights in the state of New York. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. But um, I've called his office so many times, I can't even count. The guy, the guy's a loser. He he was standing when I when this law passed. I was watching it live. He's like, it's about saving lives. No, it's not, because we all know that the overwhelming majority of gun crime committed in the United States, let alone New York, specifically New York City, let's just say, is committed with illegal handguns. So how is this saving lives? Oh, because one deranged person committed a, basically a terrorist act, a racially motivated terrorist attack and killed 10 people in Buffalo? Well, this law is a little too late for that. So you're you're screwing over millions and millions of people in the state because of the actions of one deranged mad individual and you're letting that deranged mad individual run the show basically and cause millions of people to lose their rights so again bowing to the criminals as new york does instead of standing up and saying that person is not an example of what our good citizens are but again that's just what new york seems to do lately so suffolk county um this lawsuit is filed in the eastern District Court of New York, and the plaintiffs are Michael McGregor, Zachary GM Balvo. Sorry, the name's a little tough to pronounce. He's actually involved in a different lawsuit as well about the pistol permitting system, specifically for Suffolk County. Many of these uh, plaintiffs are in another lawsuit as well. So that's an interesting one, too, which maybe we'll cover. Um, another person here, Paul Felice, Matthew Oliveri, Edward Newman, and Darkstorm Industries, LLC. So Darkstorm joined on as a plaintiff because their um, their interest of retailing semi-automatic rifles to the public has been hindered. And as a legal and licensed seller of constitutionally protected items, they have joined the lawsuit. Now, you know, say what you will about Darkstorm and maybe their business practices or whatever, but I'm glad to see that at least a retailer has stepped in because from what I heard, they are the largest uh, manufacturer of uh, AR-15s in the state or something like that, one of one of them. So it's good to see that an industry um, leader is stepping into the ring with this, despite what your thoughts may be about them. Um, and they're suing Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison in his official capacity and acting superintendent Stephen Negrelli in his official capacity. So, um, 
I'm just going to read a little bit here of the bill. It says, nature of the action. This is an action for inter alia declaratory and injunctive relief, presumed compensatory damages in at least a nominal amount for the plaintiffs, constitutional harms, approximately resulting from Suffolk County's enforcement of Senate Bill 9458, which requires ordinary people to apply for and obtain a discretionary license to purchase, receive, sell, exchange, and or dispose of semi-automatic rifles and register their weapon with the government, all under penalty criminal sanctions and enforcement of policies that result in exorbitant two to three year delays in issuing a license to purchase, receive, sell, exchange, and dispose of semi-automatic rifles. <sighs> so, obviously I've covered in the past the issues that we deal with in downstate New York specifically when it comes to receiving any sort of license from the government pertaining to firearms. They like to drag defeat. They like to delay for no reason whatsoever. There's no reason why it takes more than a few weeks to run a background check on someone and determine if they're a criminal or not, even a thorough one. So a NICS check is instant. That tells you everything about a person instantly. Okay, if you want to contact references, which is also unconstitutional, how long? A week? Call up four people. Hey, is this guy all right? Okay, cool. Thanks. Done. This system that Suffolk County, Nassau County, New York City, and, and a few other downstate counties, and the rest of the state really, but time-wise, is utterly ridiculous and unconstitutional. And that's what the other lawsuit um, is also uh, going against. But this one specifically is about the semi-auto rifles. Um, they're tackling a number of issues here. They're tackling the weight they're tackling the wait times. They're tackling the actual issue of needing a permit or license for a blatantly constitutionally protected right, which is a big thing. Because one could make an argument that pistols are more of a dangerous weapon. You know, let's just say if you want to go by the sheer stats, like I said earlier, pistols are used in the majority of crime in the United States. So one could argue that. Well, we need to regulate pistols more than rifles. Okay, fine. That's at least a sound argument that you can make. You know, let alone the fact that they're illegal pistols used by people who shouldn't have them. But regardless, if you're just looking at the numbers, one could argue, yeah, pistols could be more regulated than rifles or shotguns. Okay, fine. Going with that argument then, why is it that we're treating rifles, of semi-automatic rifles of any kind, whether it's an AR-15, 1022, uh, semi-automatic 30-06 hunting rifle, why are we treating them differently than, you know, why are we treating them the same as, as handguns? Because the ultimate goal, in my opinion, of these politicians, and I'm just going to say these Democrat politicians, because look who's voting for it. Look who's proposing. Every gun bill you see in New York State has a little D next to their name, DDD. And a lot of them are from places that they don't own guns. They don't, they don't have a connection to the Second Amendment. They don't understand the fundamental principle because they live in a concrete jungle where they think they feel that they're safe. Meanwhile, statistically, <laughs> that's where they might need one the most. But I'm, I'm laughing at the at just the, the sheer lunacy of it. And it's really hard to not be sarcastic and really hard not to be kind of um, jaded by all of this. Um, so um, this this whole thing now treating semi-automatic rifles like pistols is new. Uh, they're trying. They they passed it, and of course, once it passed, we all knew that you know uh, Governor Hochul signed it and was going to sign it. There was no question about it. Um, so you know, as we read a little bit into the um, into the text here, um, 
it goes on to say about who the uh, plaintiffs are, who the parties are. It goes on to say who the police commissioner is, who everybody in, in, in the lawsuit is. So the legal framework section of this says the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution provides, and we all know this one, sing along, kids, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The Second Amendment is fully applicable to the states through the 14th Amendment, see McDonald versus Chicago, which was a huge case because the city of Chicago banned handgun ownership. And Mr. McDonald was like, well, I want a handgun in my home for self-protection. And he had to go to the Supreme Court to get them to say, hey, you have a right to keep a firearm in your home for self-defense and protection. So... The rights protected by the Second Amendment, the right to possess and carry weapons, are pre-existing and individual rights and are not granted by the government. And then it goes on to quote um, District of Columbia versus Heller. It says, putting all these textual elements together, we find that they guarantee the individual right to possess and carry weapons in case of confrontation. This meaning is strongly confirmed by the historical background of the Second Amendment. We look to this because it has always been widely understood that the Second Amendment, like the First and Fourth Amendments, codified pre-existing right. The very text of the Second Amendment implicitly recognizes the pre-existence of the right and declares only that it, quote, shall not be infringed. As we said in United States versus Khrushchev, this is not a right granted by the Constitution, neither is Neither is it in any manner dependent upon that instrument for its existence. The Second Amendment declares that it shall not be infringed. Basically, they're saying, listen, you know, yeah, it says so in this piece of paper here that outlines our government and the Bill of Rights. But even if it didn't say it here, it's, it's, it's not granted to us by anything. We have this right. As humans, you could say God-given if you believe that or if you sway that way. But just we as human beings have a right of natural self-defense from anyone who wants to do us harm. And then it goes on to talk about Bruin, where it says plaintiffs' rights to carry and possess weapons for self-defense is presumptively granted. New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Quote, in keeping with Heller, we hold that when the Second Amendment's plain text covers an individual's conduct, the Constitution presumptively protects that conduct. So basically saying weapons in common use you know, are in the scope of the Second Amendment. They're protected. They're not dangerous and unusual. We're not talking, which I, I don't agree with, but we're not talking about machine guns, which I believe people should be able to go into a store and buy today. There's no, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to, especially given the, lo the hoops that you have to jump to to buy the pre-existing ones. But that's a whole, that's a, that's a completely different topic. So under the Bruin test, quote, when the regulated conduct falls within the plain text of the Second Amendment, the Constitution presumptively protects that conduct. The government must then justify its regulation by demonstrating that it is consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearms regulation. Only then may a court conclude that the individual's conduct falls outside the Second Amendment's unqualified command. So it says semi-automatic weapons are Semi-automatic rifles are weapons in common use for self-defense in this country and, as such, are protected within the scope of the Second Amendment, which protect those weapons, quote, typically possessed by law-abiding citizens for lawful purposes, D.C. versus Heller. Um, the, quote, the overwhelming majority of citizens who own and use such rifles do so for lawful purposes, including self-defense, target shooting. Under our precedence, that is all that is needed for citizens to have a right under the Second Amendment to keep such weapons. Again, citing this now, citing the city of McDonald versus Chicago. So 
Um, the plaintiff's conduct, purchasing, taking possession of giving, exchanging, and selling semi-automatic rifles is conduct that falls within the plain text of the Second Amendment and is presumptively protected thereunder. The defendants also have the burden of justifying the provisions of Senate Bill 9458 by demonstrating the regulations are consistent with the nation's historical traditions of firearms regulation. So basically right there, um, basically, oh, this is, by the way, it's Amy Bellantoni who is representing these people here, uh, these plaintiffs, which she rules. She's awesome. I'd love to talk to her sometime. Maybe I got to make a phone call or something. But basically they have to prove under Bruin that these rules, these laws that, that were just passed, are consistent with historical text and tradition. And registration of arms is not a historical tradition in the United States. In fact, it, it's contrary to what the government is. You can't, there's not a national registry of gun owners in America, unless you count the NFA or the 4473s that the government stores. But, you know, mostly there's not a, there's not a law that says there has to be a reg registration of all guns in the United States. <clears throat> that's just, that's just not, that's not a thing. They also argue that um, in uh, line 29 here, it says rifle bill, which is Senate Bill 9458, and arguably conflicts with the nation's historical traditions of firearms regulation, requiring a license to purchase, take possession of, give, sell, and or exchange a rifle is wildly inconsistent with this nation's historical tradition of firearms regulation. Long guns have been freely owned, made, purchased, possessed, exchanged, and carried since the mid-1600s. Also repugnant to the Second Amendment is any requirement that the people seek permission from the government to purchase or sell a rifle, or require the public to register the purchase of one's rifle with the government. Had it been our nation's history and tradition to require the people to seek and obtain permission from the government before exercising the pre-existing right to possess and carry arms, the very text of the Second Amendment prohibiting any level of infringement would have been in vain. Of course, there is no such historical tradition. Worse yet, subjective licensing schemes that imbue discretion in a government official like New York's licensing scheme violate the Second and Fourteenth Amendments. And then there's a quote here. It says, If there be any fixed stars in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, high or petty, shall dictate whether we can exercise our fundamental constitutional rights. And that was a reply brief for petitioners from the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin. Um, that is such a great quote because our rights are not up to government. They're not... Uh, at the discretion of licensing officials who can decide if you are, can have a right or not. Basically, what this new law does, it leaves the, the, the licensing official to have discretion if you can exercise your constitutional right to keep and bear arms. And again, rifles, as noted, historically have not been regulated in this country. So what now makes the state of New York think that they could just slap four words in a pre-existing law and all of a sudden, oh, it's constitutional, it's in the law, and this, this, and this. They tried to defend the Sullivan Act by saying that they disarmed Native Americans and, and other people who, who weren't worthy of having arms. So if they're going to try and defend this law using that, I'm sorry, that is just blatantly horrible, racist, and just, just awful of, of, a, of a defense there. That's my biggest problem with this law. And, and the handgun law, too, but more specifically this law. Because, like I said, you could argue that handguns are more dangerous and they require regulation. I don't agree with it, but that's, that's an argument you can make. But, well, sidetracking here. 
One big problem I have with, with the gun grabbers, with these liberal Democrats Democrats who want to take away our rights to keep and bear arms, take away our firearms, is that their arguments are purely based on, on emotion. They don't have a logical basis. If somebody said to me, I want to confiscate all the guns in America because I don't believe that people should have the right to keep and bear arms, okay, that is an argument. Rather than saying, well, I think we need common sense regulation. I think we need more training. I think we need a tax on it. No, that has nothing to do with anything. If somebody, if they, if these people just came and flat out said, I want to take everyone's guns. Well, Diane Feinstein did. Mr. and Miss America, turn them all in. If I had 51 votes or bet to O'Rourke, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15s, your AK-47s. That to me is a more, is, is a stronger argument than we need common sense gun control or it'll save lives because it won't do either. There's nothing common sense about this. They try to guilt you using these words, these phrases, to say, well, it's common sense. You don't want common sense gun reform. You don't want common sense gun laws. I don't want your common sense gun laws because they are blatantly constitutional. They, they are constitutional infringements. It, it, it is insane to me how people can't just let people live and let live. And I'm not going to be I'm not going to concede to the fact that people don't do horrible things with firearms. I'm not that I'm not that deluded. Yes, people do bad things with firearms. People also do bad things with drugs and cars. People in power also do bad things. Power is a huge thing. So, again, guns are just another another outward expression when when there's violence associated with them of the problems of our society and of people and I've, i i feel like i say this every podcast because again i come down to the fact that it's a people problem not a gun problem and when you try to legislate these issues you're you you're taking all the good people and lumping them in with the very few bad and the good people like me are standing here like what did i do my guns never hurt anybody i'm law abiding i go to work I have family. I pay my taxes. I don't run red lights. I stop at stop signs, wave to the neighbors. Like But again, they they just don't they don't see it that way. They say they see gun bad and then they just lump you in. So one thing that this this also this lawsuit argues is basically the fact that the way the state laws are written is that every gun sale has to go through a background check in a NICS system. So there's no private party transfers anymore in the state of New York. So since every gun transfer, disposal, acquisition has to go through a NICS check and everybody has to get a background check, then therefore any gun that's transferred within the state, legally speaking, is going to a person that is legally allowed to have it. So again, this if every gun is then going to a person who's legally allowed to have it, then there shouldn't be this extraordinary measure now that normal, everyday citizens have to take in order to get a normal, everyday type of firearm, like a semi-automatic rifle. Um, that was on page 7 and 8, basically, saying that no government permission is required. Everybody has to go through a NICS check. Um, and then it says on line 38 here, page 8, the rifle bill imposes a discretionary licensing requirement and criminal pe penalties upon no ordinary people, including felony arrest, incarceration, permanent loss of firearms rights, and other criminal and civil penalties for engaging in presumptively protect protected conduct. The rifle bill corrals semi-automatic rifles into the same, quote, may issue discretionary licensing scheme that New York employs against handguns which vests broad discretion in licensing officers. 
the scheme employs subjective criteria when a government employee decides who can and cannot exercise a presumptively protected right by deciding what constitutes the character, temperament, and judgment necessary to be entrusted with a weapon and to use it only in a matter that does not endanger oneself or others, which such government employees have, quote, broad discretion to determine. Even then, the license may issue or it may not. This, this kind of stuff just really, like I said, I, I try not to be cynical. I try not to be jaded about it. But it's really hard just to not want to pull your hair out and scream like a liberal when, when you see laws like this. It's really, I mean, I get, I get the appeal of just wanting to just go crazy and shout and scream and throw a temper tantrum. I get it, but I'm, I'm a civilized adult who doesn't do that. I try to look at things rationally, you know? So maybe I should just dye my hair pink and just, you know, I don't know, <laughs> get a nose ring and maybe, maybe uh, since my name's Taylor, it's already ambiguous and androgynous enough. Maybe I should just go by they, them, Taylor. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. <laughs> I'm just being a jerk. Um, <laughs> oh, man. The one thing also that gets me here um, is that if you get this license, now, I, I spoke about it uh, with Mr. Kamenshek, I believe, last episode we did about the, the, the licensing system in, New, in Nassau County specifically. But also, if you get a pistol license in the state of New York and something happens that they deem to be a violation of their, um, their rules, not even their laws, but their rules. There was a news article that came out a, a month or so ago about a woman who didn't, inter, who didn't report her interaction with the police she had a pistol permit. She didn't report her interaction with the police within three days, and it was because her neighbor threatened her, threatened to kill her and burn her house down. Cops were called. Cops were there, took a, took a statement, whatever. They left. And in the Nassau County Pistol Permitting Handbook, it says you must report any and all interaction with police within three days to the Pistol Licensing Bureau. Even though you may have inter interactions with the police, they will not let us know. So, again, it's a rule. It's one of their rules that you have to follow. One of their just dumb, asinine rules. And she didn't. And for whatever reason she didn't, I don't know. Again, she she read the hand, she had the handbook. She was a pistol permit holder, so she's supposed to know, I guess you could say. It's just an inane rule. Later on, it came up that she had this interaction, and the Pistol Licensing Bureau came, revoked her license, took her guns, and also... Not only did they, they took her pistols, but they also took her long guns, which were not subject to the pistol permitting process because guns are supposed to be a constitutional right. The, the, in my opinion, the county has no business taking your firearms away if you have not committed a crime, if you are not a danger to yourself or others. But they took her guns for simply violating their rule, which is not a law. And this is one thing why people are suing these counties because they have these uh, ridiculous rules that have no legal standing other than, well, we're the gatekeepers of your constitutional rights. And if you want us to give you this permit, you have to do what we say. <laughs> That's why I said power, power. It, it's, it's a great imbalance here. People kill people with guns. People kill people with power. So on line 51 here of this uh, suit, page 11, it talks about, or line 50, excuse me, and then 51. It says, a discretionary revocation can take place at will whenever a licensee, quote, at any time becomes ineligible, ineligible to obtain a license. Even under the subjective beliefs of a licensing officer, a licensee is not entitled to a formal hearing before revocation. 
it cites a court case here, Pachia uh, v. Alessandro. And then it says line 51, and revocation of a license issued under section 400 requires the confiscation of, quote, any and all firearms, rifles, or shotguns owned or possessed by the licensee. The, um, they could just come and take your guns for whatever reason. If a neighbor, if you had, a, if you had an argument with your neighbor and the cops were called, and nothing, no one was arrested, no one, if they just say, you know what, this, we got we to take his guns, they can. And you can't do anything about it, and you don't get a heads up. That leaves you defenseless. That leaves you without your rights. Government coming in and stripping you of your rights. It just, it, it, that part of it just bores me. And that's why for the longest time, I never got a pistol permit. That's one reason why. Because you can't predict what's going to happen in life. I'm a good person. I don't break laws. I don't go around. I'm not violent. I'm, I'm a good person. If I want to open myself up to the subjective standard that the county sets forth, I put all that at risk if something were to happen. Anything can happen to you. And you don't have the backing of your government in that case. You have to be worried about every little thing you say or do or every little thing that might happen to you. Oh, please, please, Nassau County, may I have my gun rights? Please, Nassau County. It's like, no. And, and that's part of the problem, too, because then you say, well, you're part of the problem because you didn't do it and you preach about these gun rights. Yeah, that, I mean, there's other reasons why, but that's one of them. I, you know, I'm not going to go into my whole life here. But that's one of them. It opens you up to this, this crazy regime that could just come in at any time and, and take your guns for whatever reason. It, it, it's a real conundrum I've been wrestling with for many years because on one hand... I've I've always preached about doing it, doing the right thing, showing the government that you're one of the good guys. But at the same time, it, it wasn't right for me to do so because of other life circumstances, but that's also one, one of the reasons why. And here I am putting myself out there in the public, and again, I could be a target of anybody who disagrees with me, anybody who thinks that I've done something wrong or wants to try and hurt me, then that's a risk that I take. But again... I'm thankful that we have the Second Amendment because, at least in my own home, or if I'm out and about, I don't have a, a long gun on me everywhere, but, you know, we have a right to self-defense in this country, whether, you know, however it is. You have a presumption that you have the right to self-defense. Um, so with this, with this law, it opens you up to many things that um, a lot of people don't agree with. And also the length of time. And I've said it in the past jokingly, but in a state that allows uh, possession of NFA items such as machine guns, it would take less time to legally buy a machine gun in this country than it would be to get a semi-automatic rifle in the state of New York. The FBI can check you out, get you fingerprinted, do a background check, whatever, in less time with less items needed to buy a machine gun, which... The government seems to hate so much all these politicians. Oh, they're machine guns, they're weapons of war, blah, 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 blah. It takes less time to do that than it takes to buy a, a 1022 in Nassau County in New York. And that, to me, is just mind-blowing. Because, like, what are we doing? So, I, I've called every 
person that I've called the governor's office, I've called my, my representatives, I've called my assembly person, I called everybody in opposition to this when this was introduced. And then after the fact, every time I call about something and I'm like, oh, also I oppose this bill, because this one specifically hits me. As a gun owner, as a normal citizen, as a good person, this bill hits me. Um, and then we have to now go through these hoops to try and fight it. <sighs> so this this lawsuit, I really hope it moves forward. And in my opinion, this is this is slam dunk. Now, whether the state is going to agree with it, but the problem is, which I was talking to, uh, I was having a discussion with uh, a friend of mine about, there's no punishment for our elected officials that violate the Constitution. There's no punishment. Unless they steal money, there's no punishment. They could pass these laws all they want, and there's no punishment. They knowingly violate the Constitution. They harm people by doing so. And you sue them, and the state has unlimited money. These people that are suing, these plaintiffs, have to come up with their own money or get donations or have help. But the state, you're going up against a wall, and you're looking up at this wall, and you're like, how am I ever going to defeat this? And you have to build it up little by little. Um, but there's no penalty for these politicians that break the law by you know, defying the Constitution. Of course not. You know, I, I really hate to use the whole... Um, a lot of people, when they talk about uh, gun grabbers and anti-gunners, they talk about Nazis and they talk about tyrants. And things. I really don't like that analogy because it 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 really it it cheapens and weakens how bad the Nazis were, and it really cheapens and weakens like what happened. But when I was in D.C. this past weekend, I did go to the Holocaust Museum. It was my first time there, and when you look at Literally how a certain segment of the population was treated, stripped of their rights, stripped of their business, stripped of their money, kicked out of the country, forced to leave the place which they called home. They felt that they were Germans. They felt that they were Poles. They felt that they were Czechs. They felt, but again, a government that comes in and says, you are none of these things. You are not one of us. You must leave. You must give us everything. You And then ultimately, many of them were, were killed and executed. And I'm not comparing, I'm not basically comparing what's going on now with that, but you, 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 you feel an empathy for, for what happened to them. And many people in New York are leaving the state. They feel that they are not welcome here. They feel that they are not New Yorkers by their government. They feel that they cannot live here peaceably. They feel that they are helpless here. They feel that they have no representation. They feel unsafe. They feel persecuted. And again, civil rights, whether it's free speech, the freedom of assembly, the freedom to practice religion, the, the right to keep and bear arms, these are all civil rights that we have. And I'm not calling Governor Hochul a Nazi. I'm not calling these politicians Nazis because, like I said, it cheapens and it, it lessens the degree of the, of the barbarism and the horrors of what the Nazis did perpetrate. But what I'm saying is you have a government that is overbearing, that is breaking their promise to the people, that is subjugating people to laws that could ultimately harm them. If you deny somebody the right of self-defense by denying them the means to do so, then you could harm them by doing so. It's like somebody who, it's like a drug dealer who sells somebody drugs that 
kills them, they could be charged with murder. It's the same thing. But no matter how much we, we, we scream, no matter how much we try to change things, these politicians, and I'm getting back to my original point, will never be held as accountable. Out of all the people who committed the atrocities of, of Nazi Germany during, during World War II, only a small thimbleful were ever held accountable and tried. And what would they say? I'm just following orders. I'm just following orders. That's what I had to do. Well, these politicians, they're just marching to the beat of the anti-gun control, of the gun control rhetoric, of the anti-gunners rhetoric, saying, this is just common sense. This is just, this is what we, we're, we're doing. It's going to save lives. No. How about you stop and think for a second? Well, I might not like it, but the people do have a right to keep and bear arms. And this law will hinder that. We have to think of something else. We have to compromise. We have to think, how do we stop dangerous individuals from getting guns? How do we stop dangerous individuals from murdering people? How do we stop dangerous inter- in- how do we stop dangerous criminals from breaking our laws? That's a bigger question which I, th- I I've addressed on this show previously my thoughts on it. But again, gets down to changing society, changing morality, changing people, enforcing the laws we already have instead of adding new ones that now burden uh, law-abiding constitutional protected activities and law-abiding gun owners. But these politicians, they they don't care. And like many, they'll just skate by, get richer, and uh, and they'll just keep infringing our rights. How, how, is, how is Nancy Pelosi worth millions and millions and millions of dollars? This is the one thing I don't get. <laughs> AOC was a bartender, and she was she was broke, and now all of a sudden as a politician, she's she's living large and lives in a very expensive section of D.C. And, and People get to government for power. Some people go into government because they want to do the right thing and change things, but unfortunately even those people are corrupted by the power. I mean, look at Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and there was many news articles about him campaigning, flying around in private jets. A man of the people, social social democrat. Yay! Private jets for me, not for you. Yay! <laughs> Again, trying not to be cynical here, but th- this is what happens. And when you have power, you have control, you could subjugate others. And that's why I I, I, I do I did think of my, my time spent in, in the Holocaust Museum there, like reading about and looking looking at the, the, the atrocities that were committed. These people were defenseless, and there was there were people that fought back. There were many brave people who fought back, partisans um, and, you know, uprisings in, in the various ghettos and everything, but it was ultimately in vain because it was too late. One interesting thing I read was that it, it asked the question, why did so many um, Jewish people in Germany go along with it, or not go along with it, but why did they not resist? And And one thing that it said at the museum I was reading said, Many believed that they were still Germans and that the law will take care of it. It'll be on their side and they will see the law will see that it is wrong and it will be righted and they were just waiting it out. Which is what we're doing here in a sense. And we but we have the hindsight of knowing which way the law went in in Germany in 1930, you know, in the 1930s. But what's to say that that government overreach here can't go unchecked? What's to say here that these people just can't stop passing laws? They, they could just keep passing laws. The Supreme Court literally came out with a decision and said, hey, New York, you can't do this. And then New York just said, fuck you, we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to do it worse. So 
how am I not to, how, how is one not to make this analogy? How are you not supposed to think about this and, and think about the people in the past and think about the, the struggles that they went through and the, and the horrors? It, it really just kind of blows my mind about this, man, how many people today don't realize that there's still modern-day genocides and holocausts happening. There was an exhibit there in, um, in the museum, which I didn't get to go through because I had my son with me and uh, <laughs> traveling with kids. But it was about the modern genocide in Burma. Or Myanmar, I think, technically, no. And um, it, it's still going on. You have to keep government in check. And it's it's hard to do because now they have so much power. You can't You can't argue things. You can't call these people and hold them accountable. If you try and go to a Capitol and protest, they deem you a terrorist. And my personal opinion, which might be kind of a hot take, but I don't think January 6th was an insurrection. <laughs> I tell people, I'm like, listen, to me, that's not an insurrection. That's a, that's a riot. That's a protest that got out of hand. And unfortunately, people were killed. One of them being an Air, a female Air Force veteran who was killed. But again, no accountability uh, for the government. You know, if if it was an insurrection, if somebody was really trying to take over the government, there'd be a lot more guns, there'd be a lot more arms, there'd be a, a planned and coordinated attack. It's just a it's a mob that got out of hand, just like we see everywhere else in the country for the past two years. Ferguson, Missouri, ring, does that ring a bell? Does Portland ring a bell? Where they were trying to burn down a police station? I mean, what about in L.A. in the South Central riots in the 90s? Remember Reginald Denny? Anyone remember that? Where they burned down an entire area of L.A. and rioted? Oh, but because it involved Donald Trump, it was an insurrection. Okay, listen. If you think that, fine. You can think that. I'm not going to go off on that tangent too much. But this is this is what we're talking about here. This all kind of leads back now into how we have to hold government accountable. And the only way to do this now, unfortunately, is to sue them, to sue them, to sue them. And this is why I'm glad that this specific law is being challenged because it affects so many people. And it sets a precedent. It could set a precedent for many other states that have these obscene registration requirements, these discretionary permitting schemes that cost you money, that cost you your time, that cost you your privacy that open you up to so much government intrusion, inspection. So, again, I think that... Um, <clears throat> sorry, it's a little cold in here today. I think that if you want to support this, uh, the lawyer who's representing representing them is the Bellantoni Law Firm. Amy Bellantoni seems to be the person now to go to <laughs> for anything firearms-related in the state of New York. And I got to say... She's doing a bang-up job, man. She she is great. Um, I really do want to try and talk to her. Her her information is here in the briefing. Um, so I, I think she's doing a great job. Honestly, I think you should show support in any way you can. Uh, maybe reach out and see if there's a way to donate. Because these things take money. And I'm sure that fighting a county and fighting the state and fighting the government ain't cheap. So, <clears throat> so again... I think that this bill, specifically this lawsuit, challenging Senate Bill 9458, um, it, it's it's one of these ones that, in my opinion, if, if it goes our way, if it goes the way it should, not even our way, if it goes the way it should, 
it'll be a great victory for everyone in the state of New York and throughout the United States Um, because it shows that these government officials need to be put in check. But, um, But guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for listening. Um, like and share this uh, podcast with your friends, family, anybody that you think might be interested. You know, because this isn't just a, a gun podcast. It, it is about guns, ultimately, but it's about fundamental human rights. It's about society. It's about individualism. It's about uh, doing the right thing. It's about being a good person. And I'm not trying to be on some moral high horse here, but honestly, it, it all kind of comes together. You know, many gun owners, I find, are great people, <laughs> people that are trustworthy, people that are, are inherently good. They want to do the right thing. So uh, surround yourself with like-minded, great people, and and hopefully the world could be a slightly better place. But guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking us out, and uh, stay safe out there.